Welcome to Thrive, Transformative Strategies for the New Year, the CLA virtual conference poised to redefine your approach to success. Today, we unite under the banner of innovation, ready to forge new paths in personal and professional growth. Each speaker today brings unique insights to propel us forward. Get ready to explore innovative strategies that will enhance your growth journey in 2024. I am so incredibly excited to provide value to everybody today. My name is Nick Hutcherson, and today we are going to talk about my all-time favorite subject, which is how to implement more from the books that we read. And I know that this is the right audience for this message. So I'd like to kick off with a little backstory, give everybody some context as to how we ended up here. What might surprise everybody that can see my background, I've got all the books, as Jose mentioned earlier, is that I was not much of a reader growing up. In fact, I was quite the opposite. So I was more of the athlete stereotype, not really much of the academic. I mean, you couldn't pay me to read a book or do my homework back in the day. And that attitude, that sort of like down look on reading carried with me through most of my college experience as well, which wasn't great. So you could catch me in the gym. You could catch me at the dining hall. You probably weren't going to catch me in class. But all of that changed for me when I was going into my senior year of college because I took an internship at a local software company. And my boss, Kyle, at the time, he recognized some unfulfilled potential, which is probably a nice way of saying it. I was this 20-year-old sort of little bit cocky, arrogant, know-it-all type. And he noticed that I was driving about an hour each way to this internship five days a week that summer. So I was in the car for 10 hours a week. And he said to me one day, he's like, hey, man, what do you do on these commutes? And I said, I listen to music. I listen to the radio like everybody else. And he said, Nick, listening to the same playlist or the same radio station for the 500th time, it's not going to get you closer to where you want to be in life. But the right podcast might. So that's where I started. I started by listening to business style podcasts where a host would interview a series of successful guests and the guests would share what they did to become successful. Very quickly, because I was commuting so much, I realized that so many of these successful people being interviewed, they were giving at least some credit for their success to the books that they had read or were currently reading. And a lot of them had written books too. So I just had this moment, I think a couple of weeks into commuting, where I realized if I was choosing not to follow their recommendations and read these books, then I was also choosing not to take the advice from the mentors or the people that I want to be like, but also to live under my potential. And as I mentioned, I was a little bit of a know-it-all. I wanted to be on the right side of things. So I had to suck it up. I had to read these books. And I noticed the same titles getting mentioned over and over and over again. I'm sure everybody in this audience is familiar with some of them. Books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Covey, uh, books like Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. There are so many amazing titles. And these people were just like, books solve problems, books build skills, you have to read them. So I went to my local Barnes & Noble one day uh, during an internship lunch hour and I grabbed about 10 books, which was a lot of money for me at the time. I was a broke college student in this internship, barely making any money, and I'm about to drop a couple hundred dollars on books. But I remembered one of the major lessons that I had learned on these podcasts, which is that you have to shift your identity. 
The words I am are two of the most powerful words in the English language. I am a reader. A reader buys books. So I splurged and I got those 10 books. And the rest is history. I mean, I've been reading 50 to 100 personal development or business style books a year ever since. Now, I thought it was full steam ahead, but very quickly I fell into one of the major traps that personal development books have, which is that I started to read 52 books a year. That was my goal. Or 100 books in a year. Imagine if I could do that. What I didn't realize at the time was that's nothing but a vanity metric. The number of books that you read per year does not matter unless you implement them, which again is what we're here to talk about today. And I read hundreds of books before I realized this. It seems pretty simple, but nobody teaches us how to retain and implement more from the books that we're reading. So I realized if you read a great book, but fail to use what you have learned to change your behavior, right? Build a skill or solve a problem. Then there's no difference between that book and Netflix, right? Reading becomes closer to a form of entertainment than it does education or behavior change. Behavior change only happens when you take action. And I missed that lesson when first reading Think and Grow Rich because Napoleon Hill has this great line where he says, action is the real measure of intelligence. Reading the books doesn't solve your problems or build your skills. Nobody can do your push-ups for you. You have to get on the ground and do them yourself. So I realized again that there's no difference between like Nick who reads Thinking Grow Rich and Nick who watches Netflix if I'm not taking action on these books. And I'll throw one more metaphor out there to drive this home before I start teaching you some of the things that I learned. Imagine your goal is to cook the world's best chicken parm. That's your goal. So you go out and you get a cookbook exclusively dedicated to cooking the world's best chicken parm. And you read that thing front to back, back to front, left to right, up to down. You memorize it. There's coffee stains, your dog earring pages, you're taking notes in the margin. You even buy the ingredients, but you don't cook the chicken parm. How weird would that be? That would be very weird. You've taken all of this amazing experience inside of the book. You've detailed it, you've studied it, but you don't put it into action. And then you don't get to see what it tastes like. Yet, I realized in this world of personal development that people read books on health and then they don't start a diet. Or they read books on starting a business, but they just let that idea die, right? They say like the graveyard is the richest place with ideas or whatever, because people don't take action. People read books on happiness, yet they won't meditate. Oh, that's not for me. Or they read books on dating, and then they never actually ask anybody out. And so my goal in life has become, how do we solve this problem? How do we close the gap between reading a great book and actually taking action on it so that we can live up to our potential? Everybody at CLA is here to live up to their potential to get connected to amazing people and to take amazing action. But that only happens again by taking action. So my framework, which I'm going to introduce you to today, and it's also detailed in this book, Rise of the Reader, starts with intention. You need to know why you are reading a book. So many times I'll meet somebody at an event like this or in a virtual event like this, and I'll ask them, hey, what are you reading? And they'll say, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And I'll say, that's amazing. Why are you reading it? And they'll be like, what do you mean why? 
I'm like, well, what problem are you trying to solve or what skill are you looking to build? And they're like, I don't know. I saw it on Instagram. Seeing a book on Instagram is not a strong enough why to take action on the books that we read. I think we need to focus a little bit more on the why. We need to slow down and focus on the why more than like what we're reading or how many books a year we're reading. Again, that's a vanity metric. And I'll go out on a limb and say that I believe there is a book to solve every single problem that we face as human beings, both personally and professionally. About 100 billion people have lived on this beautiful planet. And millions of them have lived great lives. They spent decades studying a solution or a skill. And then they wrote about it for years and it's available to us for $20 in a few hours of our time. To drive this point home a little bit too, like if you're facing a problem on a daily basis, over the next 30 years, you're going to face that problem about 11,000 times. Or you could spend $20 in a few hours of your time and read about how somebody else found a solution to that problem or they built that skill more efficiently. And then you can use that information to solve the problem and live a better life. These books are so amazing in what they do. They're condensing decades of lived experience into days. Okay. So we need to think a little bit about why we're reading these books. What problem do you face on a daily basis? that you could overcome by reading a great book? Or what skill do you need to build in order to get to the next level, personally or professionally? This is relevant to your health. This is relevant to your wealth. This is relevant to your business, your relationships, your relationship to yourself. There are books to solve almost every single one of these problems. So you need a strong why. I call that an intention. So once you know the problem or the skill, next you need to pick the right book. And again, just seeing a book on Instagram is not a strong enough recommendation. The first place that I like to go is who in my network has solved this problem or built this skill? Because they probably have pretty good context as to what problems I'm facing or maybe what's holding me back on the skill building piece. Reach out to mentors, people who have done what you want to do and have helped other people get there. And ask them, because they're not emotionally connected to it anymore, what resources they used or what resources they recommend for us to read and implement to solve that problem or build that skill. Number two, if you don't have somebody in your life that has done this before, go to Amazon. I know people hate Amazon, but here's the deal. Amazon has the most book-related data. You don't have to buy your books on Amazon, but I think you should select them on Amazon. Because when you type in a problem, I'm looking to solve this problem, or I'm looking for a book that helps me solve this problem, Amazon's going to feed you a bunch of data. And what's great about Amazon search results is you can filter by reviews. You want to look at the books with the most reviews. I own a book marketing company. I know how hard it is to consistently sell a book over a long period of time. So if you're looking at a book that might solve your problem and it has thousands of reviews on Amazon, that is a wonderful sign. It is so hard to sell a book consistently. A lot of these books, they come out, an influencer wrote it, so it sells a bunch of copies on day one and hits the New York Times list, and then it falls off a cliff. Because, again, it's really hard to sell a book. 
But those books on Amazon that you're filtering for that have thousands of reviews, that's where the magic happens. It's really hard. The older the book, the better too. I also recommend, here's a little insider secret. When evaluating a book to solve your problem or build your skill, read the reviews. But when you read them, toss out the five-star reviews and toss out the one and two-star reviews because those are typically written from a place of emotion and not logic. But when you get into the three and four-star reviews, you'll see things like, here was my expectation, here's what was delivered, this is what was missing. Or you'll see something like, you know, bought this because this is an influencer, delivered some good value, but I feel like they were just trying to upsell me into a program the whole time. You can save yourself a lot of reading bad books by diving into these reviews. And the last thing that I'll throw out there for everybody that's here today is reach out to somebody like me who's read hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of personal development and business books. DM me on Instagram at bookthinkers. That's our largest community. And tell me about a problem that you're facing or a skill that you want to build that you just can't find the right resource for. And I'll probably go back and forth with you a little bit and you know ask some follow-up questions, try to get a little bit more specific and provide a custom book recommendation to you. So anybody can do that at bookthinkers on Instagram. Okay. So now we've established that you need to know what problem you're solving or skill that you want to build, and then you need to go out and find a great book. Look at the little thumbs up. After that, and this is my favorite thing to teach people, we need to set a SMART goal. And a lot of people start to roll their eyes a little bit. They're like, yeah, 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 SMART goal, goal setting framework. I'm familiar with this. But nobody combines it with reading, unfortunately. So let me actually throw this up on the screen here. So SMART is an acronym that stands for specific. You need to know exactly why you're reading the book and what your goal is. Measurable. The legendary management guru, Peter Drucker said, what's not being measured can't be managed. You need to know whether or not the goal fulfilled, or sorry, the book fulfilled your goal. A stands for attainable. So attainable means it's a realistic goal. So many of us set unrealistic goals, and then as a result, we fail to take action. R stands for relevant, meaning you need to be emotionally connected to this goal. Why are you setting it? That will really help you reinforce the action piece. What skill are you building? What problem are you solving? And why? Detail it. And then T is time-bound. There's this beautiful law of the universe called Parkinson's law, which states that a task will expand to the amount of time that we give it. So like we all remember, hey, the homework's due on Sunday night, so we all do it on Sunday night, right? (laughs) Right before the deadline. Well, the same thing happens with books. If you don't set a goal, you're never going to take action because you haven't set a deadline to take action. So let's use a book that I just got, and we'll go through an example here. I don't know if you guys can see this on the screen, but this book is titled Winning the Day, and it's by a pretty cool author. So what I would do is I'd set a SMART goal for this book before I decide to read it. This uh, I'll just read the subtitle for everybody, An Entrepreneur's Guide to Morning and Evening Routine Mastery. Who doesn't need to improve their morning and evening routines? So let's set a SMART goal. An example could be find and implement at least one new activity into my morning routine by the end of March. That is specific. I know exactly what the goal is. It's measurable. At the end of March, did I implement at least one new activity into my morning routine? 
Is that attainable? Yes, it is. I didn't say add 20 items. I just said add one. Is it relevant? Of course it is. Your morning tempo sets the tempo for the rest of your day. Having a solid morning routine is incredibly valuable for getting the most out of your day. If your morning is chaotic, the rest of your day is going to be chaotic as well. And it's time bound. I said by the end of March. So what I'll do is I will then write that intention on the inside cover of this beautiful book. And I will review that intention every single time I read another chapter. You want to share your goal with the book so that the book can share just the most important information back with you. I remember reading Thinking uh, Grow Rich way back in the day, and I had over 100 notes in the book. That's not attainable. It's not realistic to remember or to implement that many different items. Reviewing that list of takeaways felt like a task, and as a result, I didn't look at any of them. There's this great metaphor, which is bowling balls. Imagine you pick up one bowling ball. That's okay. Pick up a second one. Well, that's okay. Maybe you can balance a third one on top. But what happens when you try to pick up a fourth? You drop all of them. The same thing happens when we try to hoard too many notes from the books that we're reading. You need to set realistic action. That happens by setting a SMART goal. That SMART goal needs to be reviewed every single time you read another chapter. Our brains have this beautiful filtering function built in called a reticular activating system. So when you share your goal, hey, I'm looking to find and implement at least one new morning routine activity into my routine by the end of March. When you read the book, everything else melts away and just those potential items to implement reveal themselves. So when I'm reading a book, and I don't want to pass over this too much because this is so incredibly important. When I'm reviewing a book or reading a book, I only take notes now on the information related to my intention for the book, which solves a problem or builds a skill. All the extra miscellaneous facts or things that you find entertaining or interesting, they're not relevant. They're a distraction. They don't help you take action. Ooh, I got to like find a fun way to say that. Distraction and action. <laughs> um, and by the end of the book, by the end of the reading experience, what I'll do is I'll analyze all of the potential actions. So I, I here's a home run point too. I don't implement while I'm reading. A lot of people make this mistake, but not every action is created equal. We all know this. Some actions are more powerful. They take less time. They're less expensive. They're easier to implement. Whereas other actions, which maybe are in the front of the book sometimes for people, they become a distraction again. So I'll read an entire book and then I'll just notate, I'll write it out. Here are the potential actions I could take. So from winning the day, what potential morning routine actions could I implement? And then I'll look at that list and I'll say, hmm, what are the 20% here that can lead to 80% of the results I'm looking for? Maybe I want more energy in the morning. Well, in here, it talks about something that's going to improve my energy. That's what I'm going to choose to implement. One item. I'll also go out on a limb here a little bit and say that the slow, nuanced experience of effectively implementing one book is better than the fast, superficial experience of reading, if we can even call it that, 52 books in a year. 
Where did that idea that the average CEO reads 52 books in a year even come from? I think it was a book marketing tactic that Ty Lopez's company Mentor Box put out there, something like that. Action is what we optimize for, not a number of books. So once we get to the end of that process, and I know I only have a few minutes left here, once we get to the end of that process, what do we do with that item that we'd like to implement? Because we're out here solving a problem or building a skill. We picked the right book. This is the right book for morning routines. We then set a SMART goal, wrote it on the inside cover, and reviewed it every single time we read another chapter. We only highlighted and took notes on the most important information that you can take action on. You then did your 80-20 analysis at the end of the experience, and you said, oh, this is the item that I'd like to implement. I then have three things, which I can only give you an abbreviated version of. So if you want to do a deep dive, remember to grab a copy of Rise of the Reader. There are three things that I recommend. Number one, and this one's really simple and easy to do, sticky notes. Sticky notes. They cost nothing. They only take a minute to write down. What I'd like you to do is write that action that you're looking to implement on the sticky note. Write it on three or four. Put one on your your car steering wheel so you see it every time you get in the car. Put one on your computer monitor so you see it a thousand times a day while you're working. Put one on your refrigerator so you see it every single time you eat. Put one on your bathroom mirror so you see it every single time you go to the bathroom. Repetition leads to retention. And the more you think about something, the more it becomes top of mind, the more you'll see opportunities to implement it. Sticky notes. Couldn't get any simpler than that. Number two, and this is a little bit more of an advanced strategy, but an activity tracker. So I believe that everybody that's part of um, these CLA trainings is getting access to an activity tracker template that I sent over. So this activity tracker template is meant to take the items that you want to implement from books, put them into a tracker that's measured weekly, and then you review that tracker every single day and implement activities. For me, I live in this thing because like Peter Drucker said, what's not being measured can't be managed. Incredibly important point. You need to know whether or not the activity is working and you need to set a goal. Like I want to try this five times this week or three times this week and you need to measure it. And then the last one is an accountability group. I started an accountability group after reading a wonderful book called The Compound Effect way back in the day with a couple of my friends. And what we would do is we would meet every single Friday for an hour and a half. And we would talk about the things that we were independently reading and the goals that we were independently focused on. And we would chat about, hey, I just read this amazing book, Winning the Day. In here, he talks about journaling in the morning. I tried it three times this week. Here is my feedback. Next week, I'm going to try it four times. And then the group gets to criticize you, essentially provide constructive criticism if you fail to implement. You might show up and say, hey, Nick, you've had this goal to journal three days a week for a month and you haven't hit it once. Like, what's the deal? Is that realistic? Can I hold you accountable to it? So you want to meet with your most motivated friends. I heard it said, and we're going to wrap up here in a minute. I heard it said that if you're, if you're five friends, like your circle, if they don't lift you up, if they don't hold you accountable to taking the path of most resistance and living up to your potential, that's a cage, not a circle. So you want to surround yourself with people that are motivated to help you take more action. And uh, I know we've only got one minute or so left, 
So I just wanted to end by saying that, again, the slow nuanced experience of implementing one book effectively and taking action on it is so much better than the artificial fast-paced experience of reading 52 and not taking action on it. That's the home run point. Um, I wanted to thank everybody here again, you know, reach out if you guys need anything. Um, book thinkers on Instagram, we post book recommendations every day and DM me if you have a problem that you can't get rid of or a skill that you want to build. And I will provide a custom recommendation to you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you for engaging with this session of Thrive. As we continue with our next speaker, remember the insights and strategies shared are steps towards your transformative journey this year. Stay connected for more empowering talks. The Connected Leaders Academy is committed to your ongoing journey of growth and excellence. Remember, this journey is just beginning. Let's keep the momentum going. Join our community at www.connectedleadersacademy.com.